Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. If it comes to uh, values and you're really wanting to make your values work for you in your organization, just start having conversations with people um, and ask for stories where they saw the values being lived. Uh, And if you don't have a value statement and you're wanting to work on a value statement, just start to um, listen to the stories, the emerging stories in your organization, and you'll, you'll see um, what are the strong uh, values that, uh, that have a common red thread across your organization? Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't listened yet to my recent conversations with Paddy Block from The Block Group and with co-founder of the Self-Discovery Techniques and Life Mastery Process, Susan James, then you're in for a treat. Go listen and check them out, but first listen to today's conversation. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Stephen Barkley. Stephen is Director of Global Business at Flint Rock Consulting. Stephen has three and a half decades of experience at a leadership level in Australia, England and India. Industry experiences include health, shipping, manufacturing, agriculture, IT and law. Stephen has worked with boards and senior leaders in the areas of change management, strategy development, governance, business improvement, organisational development, human resources management, learning and development, community building and values-based management. Stephen is an experienced group facilitator and executive coach and he works with clients to identify opportunities for growth and help them make that a reality. In our conversation today, Stephen talked to me about creating values-based culture in an organization and moving values from posters on the wall to conversations in the hall. We talked about using stories to highlight and articulate values, and we talked about how to develop shared meaning around values. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Stephen Barkley. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast from Brisbane in Australia, Stephen Barkley, who's a change and culture facilitator and director of global business with Flintrock Consulting, who work at the intersection of people, technology and organisational change. 
Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Stephen. It's a great privilege to have you here as my guest. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome to be with you today, Jürgen. Now, Graham Miller, who was our guest on episode 429 of the Innova Buzz podcast, introduced us and suggested that we have a conversation with you, Stephen. So a big hello to Graham. Yeah, thanks, Graham. Stephen, you also host the Waves of Change podcast, where you interview leaders from all over the globe and and dig into their stories about they've how they've navigated change and transitions, both from a personal, professional and an organisational perspective. Your focus is very much on values-based leadership, and you also have a book called The Power of Facilitation. So I'm really keen to dig into all of those topics today. But before we start talking about all things change and values and culture, um, what's the impact you're making in the world today? Thanks. Great question, uh, Jürgen. Uh, in the area of uh, values, I do a lot of work around culture um, with organizations um, in uh, all over the world. Uh, but, but the particular area, specialty area, is helping organizations create values-based cultures um, and helping leaders uh, develop easy ways to work with values because it's a resource um, that organizations generally um, don't attend to very well. Uh, and so they're not really getting the full potential. They may have a value statement, um, but that's about it. It just stays as a, a, as a poster on the wall and, and is not converted to conversations in the halls. Um, and so really just making it um, the easy way of um, really utilizing values um, within organizations. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. I like what you said about poster on the wall. My experience in the past in um, the corporate world was it didn't even make it to the poster on the wall. We had sort of spent lots of money um, having great meetings that then defined some culture, lots of conversations, lots of time invested, and then they ended up being documents in, in a drawer somewhere. And um, if you wanted to refer back to them, they're actually hard to find. So I'd I have to say I'm, I'm often impressed when people have it, have their culture statements on the wall, particularly if it's kind of take, not just a poster on the wall, but it's actually a, a mural, a big mural in the front of the office because that to me kind of suggests that they are at least up front and very visible about it. Um, but talk to me a little bit more about this whole idea of um, moving it from that poster on the wall to conversations in the hall. Yeah, um, it is a, it is a good first step uh, to have it visible, um, whether it's on your website, whether it's uh, in your social media and, and different ways. Uh, so it is telling the world that, that you're holding yourself accountable to these values. But we've seen in the world that there's organizations that had those values in the world, uh, in the, in the entrance to their foyer, like Enron, um, but they, they didn't live up to them. Um, so it's really, it's really that challenge of, um, having conversations and enabling, uh, conversations across your organization. So people begin to get shared meaning around the values words. And it's only really then that it starts to filter throughout the organization. If people are starting to have that our value of integrity, for example, um, what does it mean for all of us? Uh, and the way that, uh, that you can make that easy is through stories, is sharing stories where that value has actually been lived within the organization. And that serves as a discussion point 
so that people begin to say, okay, this is an example for integrity for me. Um, this is an example for somebody else. And it takes it out of that theoretical conversation um, mm. when you've got uh, real-life uh, stories. And look, even if you don't have um, a value statement there, um, the values are there. Um, and if you start to walk around and have conversations, you'll find that there's there's an ethos or there's a way of doing business. Uh, there are things that are particularly um, embedded within the organisation. And when you start to listen to the stories, it tells you, right, there's, there's a really strong thread of um, integrity. There's a really strong thread of respect. There's a really strong thread of uh, excellence. Um, and so uh, the, the values are being used every day um, and every one of us has our own values uh, and that's coming into the equation as well. So it's really giving um, people the opportunity to listen to each other and hear each other's stories um, because it's when you have the shared meaning, um, it's only then that you start to have the shared using. Uh, and it, it's, a, it's an ongoing and it's a constant conversation. Uh, it's not a one-off thing. If you really want to utilize um, your values as a living resource and enable them to work for you, there has to be constant conversations um, across all levels of the organization and all different sort of settings. Mm. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a really important point that um, you know, we can say we will always act with integrity in all the business we do or in all our interactions with with our customers. I mean, you can be specific and say with our customers, with our team members, with our internal uh, stakeholders, with our suppliers and really specify that. But what, um, what uh, we will act with integrity means to me may be completely different to what it means to you and to highlight that and say, well, we, we're actually doing that, we're actually living that is is a different thing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's when the stories come up and, and somebody says, well, this was the scenario that we were faced with and these were the roadblocks that, we were, that, that came our way and this is how we handled it. Um, and we did it without compromising our values, without compromising our policies and without compromising our principles. And then that story is heard and then it's, it's shared at town halls or it's shared using, as you said, you know, the example of going into an organisation with the values on a mural. Um, we work with organisations and artists to find ways in which you can um, express those stories, those values-based stories. It may be in a comic strip. Uh, it may be a graphic um, recording. Um, it may be the person who originally told the story being... Um, recorded and that shared at a town hall or at different um, uh, venues or, or platforms within the organization but it's it's having constant conversations and also you know your your dilemmas how did you handle them um, when you're matching two values because sometimes some values may have a, a flexion point um, and so you know creating that muscle the values muscle where people are okay at having conversations about it um, in all types of situations. Mm. Yeah, I like the analogy of the values muscle, and it's it's all about kind of building small habits, isn't it, in in moving forward with that. And you mentioned earlier about we all have values, uh, and it occurred to me that 
you know, I mean, by default, you have a value, even if somebody says, well, I don't have any values, which I can't imagine anybody saying, but even if you do that, that by default, you've got values. <laughs> they might be pretty, uh, pretty shallow, but you do have values. How do, how do we as individuals become much clearer and self-aware around our embedded values, some of which we may perhaps not be able to articulate, but we're actually living them because it, it's our behavior that is, is the indicator of our values. And how do we, as an organization, do the same thing? Hmm. Again, it, it comes back to stories. And, and you can ask somebody a, a simple story of tell us a moment in your life or in your career where you were faced with uh, um, a challenge and how you overcame that challenge. Um, and they tell you their story. And then you're listening to that story and, and you're then you have an opportunity to start identifying the values associated with that person, what was important to them. Um, and it may have been about honesty and it may have been about integrity. So the thing is helping people to develop a vocabulary um, around values. And, and the way I got interested in this was I was um, the national coordinator for a program called Living Values Education Program. And it was uh, teaching teachers of how to incorporate values into the curriculum. And so they were very simple exercises and it was all about um, values vocabulary. So how can you talk about values in a maths lesson? How can you talk about values in a geography lesson, uh, in an English lesson? And so it's, it's, it's around helping people to be more aware of what, um, uh, what lights them up, um, what is really important to them. Um, and it's just slowly, and then I go, oh, okay, that's what a value is. Uh, and it's, it's those things that are, that they can't live without, that if they look back in the thread of their life, it's something that's been with them all along. Uh, and it's the same in an organization, is providing people and just trigger questions that starts to reveal um, the, the things that are really important to them and the things that they value. Hmm. Yeah, it's a fascinating um exploring that and and what you've highlighted there is something that i actually do and i didn't really consider it as value-based leadership which is is a term you use but in in a way it is and that's when when we interview people we um you know we don't explore as much their um knowledge and skills although you know clearly there's there's some filters that they have to pass through with knowledge and skills to be eligible for the role. But in the interview, once they get into a shortlist, we tend to ask those very questions and say, well, uh, give me an example of a time where, you know, you had a challenge and um, how did you deal with that challenge and how did you interact with people? And I really dig into, um, and and often people will give you a, a kind of a general statement, well, you know, sometimes things don't go my way and, and then when that happens, I do these things and I, I kind of respond to that by saying, well, give me a specific example. I want, you know, I want a real specific example and I want you to tell me exactly what you did, uh, what worked, what didn't work. And, and that, um, does give a good sense of values. You're right. And, and for me, 
those kind of questions have actually been magical. You know, when, when we've done that in depth, we've always ended up with a really good choice of the people we put on. Mm, yeah. And, and going back to this Living Values Education Program, so I was going all over the country facilitating these three days workshops with, um, with teachers. And so I was getting to ask these questions again and again, and then I was getting to ask myself about them. So it helped me um, develop clarity around what was really important to me. Uh, and then I, um, about 13 years ago, I was introduced to a program called um, Values in Healthcare, a Spiritual Approach. So it was doing the same thing, um, but for healthcare professionals. And it was really designed to help healthcare professionals uh, connect to what was the real reason they got into healthcare in the first place because it's one profession that experiences a lot of burnout um, and, and they move away from the reason why they got into healthcare. And uh, again, you know, it was that process of just storytelling and, and it was amazing. You have a group of people where there was a sense of conflict and then you start asking them stories and they get to see that the things that they have in common are much stronger than the things that set them apart and then they work out that they can sort through their values dilemmas. They can, they can be talked through um, as long as there's that basis of, of starting to have a conversation and conversations and values-based conversations are the key. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating and uh, interesting journey how you kind of develop that concept. Now, you talked about the values-based conversation and your, your book, The Power of Facilitation, talks a lot about uh, facilitation and communication together and you know how important that is as a partnership. And I can imagine if you're having those conversations around value-based that it probably is quite important to have facilitation there, um, particularly if, if things are out of alignment a little bit to start with. So tell us a little bit more about this idea of the uh, partnership between facilitation and communication? Oh, great. It's a fantastic question. And I think that my journey into uh, values and facilitation were hand in hand uh, and they developed at the same time. And all of those questions, all of those workshops that I ran were facilitated and, and I was purely um, uh, holding the space, asking particular questions and I wasn't delivering content. Um, and I was creating an, the safe space for people to have conversations, to then um, share those conversations, have conversations with others, and then collectively make sense. Um, and it's a methodology which um, we I call uh, in our in my organisation Flintrock Consulting, and we call it Toms. And the T stands for tell, telling stories. The H stands for hosting. And the M and S stands for making sense. And so those three components is you're providing an opportunity, which is the host, uh, for people to tell their stories. And one's, it's one thing to have stories, to tell stories. It's another thing to listen to the stories. And then it's another thing to make sense of what's emerged from those stories. And so they're the skills that are important in in uh, creating an atmosphere where it's okay to talk about our values within the organization and a key part of that is psychological safety 
So I work with organisations to train cohorts of leaders of how to have those, um, how to host those conversations uh, so that they've, they've created the safe space, they're eliciting the stories, they're not judgmental on the stories, it's not a good story, it's not a bad story, but they're listening to each other. Uh, and it's really quite amazing what happens in the organisations when you're doing this because you can have your your frameworks about integrating values into your performance management appraisals and into your policies and all of these things, but unless you create create those heartfelt spaces where people can really align themselves with those values by hearing each other's stories and develop, as I mentioned before, shared meaning, um, then for it to be shared, used across the organisation, that's the gap, that, that's the place where people or organisations falter um, because there's not that shared meaning. There's a dictate, this is what integrity looks like, this is mm. what it feels like, they have this whole behavioural competency, um, this is how it'll be expressed in this situation. They'll even go to the, the depths of this level of employee, this is what we expect, how it's to be used. They're helpful. Um, but it's when people have that heart connect with their value through stories is when it becomes alive. Um, and, you know, we have this thing, shared meaning, um, shared uh, using, shared living. And it's, it's, it's a cyclical process and the key is developing shared meaning. Um, and so the, the, those steps is around, um, you know, creating that safe space and really learning how to host conversations where you're really an invisible partner um, and you're not delivering any content, but you're just providing an opportunity for people to have a conversation, but then they're also helping them to make sense um, of what they've just discussed and what their insights and learnings are. Mm, fascinating, yeah, and I love this this idea of shared meaning. How do you, um, how does an organisation keep that alive and vibrant? So, you know, once once you've concluded that meeting and you leave that shared space and you have this understanding with shared meaning, I mean, I've been to so many meetings where you leave the meeting full of excitement and back to day-to-day -day work and things fizzle out very quickly. So how do you keep that shared meaning alive and make sure that everybody individually and as teams and as a whole organisation is actually living the values? Yeah, million dollar question, uh, and it's a question that we'll ask the organisation, and they will they will come up with the ideas of how to do that, uh, and and we we do support them. But you know, some of the ideas include uh, having it as a part of um, check in with respect to their meetings. So when they start their meetings, is anybody they might have a value and focus for that month. Uh, you've got to be very careful that you don't start to make it glib and it gets doesn't get over-talked and people get sick of it. Um, but again, you know, has anybody got a story of an example of how this value has been lived this week? Um, there may be particular dilemmas that come up um, providing opportunities for that to be discussed. Uh, I think that the, the, the process that we do with organisations, once you start to train um uh, leaders on how to facilitate these conversations. What they're telling us is that the skills that they're learning in those um, those sessions are then going across into their day-to-day -day, um, uh, management. 
how they lead. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're starting to ask questions around the values with an individual, um, with a team. Um, they start to look for things differently. They're looking for stories around those values. So it's when, when the organization starts to really total, everybody starting to be involved in the conversation, the ideas of how to keep it going, um, will just come out in spades. Uh, and again, it's, it's the thing, my approach to working with clients is not to do the thinking for them, um, mm. but just ask them the questions and then just support them. Um, and find ways to, to measure that, uh, to continue to talk about it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's like everything. If you don't, if you're not consistent with it, it will peter out after three weeks, six weeks, 12 months. Um, mm. So it, it requires ongoing renewal of ideas of how to keep it alive. Mm. So what, what are some of the things that kind of, people can do, organisations can do, individuals can do to keep keep that alive? Uh, is have the conversation uh, around um, the values and just listen to each other's stories. Uh, and uh, and that's when that's when you'll get even more ideas. Uh, mm. When somebody's shared, you know, an organisation that, that uh, I'm working with and all of these stories of how they've had to manage throughout the, the pandemic with respect to their supply chains, with respect to shutdowns, um, and how they've worked through that, the stories are just empowering. And then all of a sudden, you're sharing that story across the organization. So, you know, you've, you've got a, a countrywide uh, organization that has manufacturing plants everywhere, and then you've got a story that's emerged from a manufacturing plant over here. And then they hear this and they say, you did that? And and that's how you did it? And then all of a sudden, they feel empowered to do the same when that type of situation, which invariably has arisen. So um, the thing is, is don't hide your light under a pillow. Um, is giving people, get listen to those stories, share them, find ways, use your internal social media um, platforms, Use your newsletters. Use your um, uh, your town halls, where the the person will get up and and tell the story. And this can all be done virtually. All of the work that I've been talking about, I've been doing virtually um, with pan pan country organisations. Uh, so, and then using visual arts, which I think is a really important um, part of this. Um, that when people see creative expression of those stories um, and it captures them um, and it can be done as a painting, it can be as a, something that's static or something that changes. Um, it's, it's just endless the ways in which you can um, uh, keep it alive. But once you start to have uh, the gap between uh, what is espoused and what is lived, um, then people are going to come forward um, more and more. And, and that's the key that as, as values-based leaders is that we're trying to close that gap between what we're saying and what's lived. And there will always be example. There will always be a potential for a gap, but that we notice the gap and that we act on it quickly. Hmm. Yeah, there's a couple of things that kind of, struck a chord with me there and, and the, one of them was you know the, the various creative 
um, ways that you suggested as to how people might be able to um, communicate this throughout the organization. And, and it occurred to me that, you know, having fun around that communication, you know, you talked about cartoons earlier or drawings or videos, you know, allowing people to play with whatever creative skills or, or outlet that they might want to play with is, is one key part of it, having that mm. fun. Mm. And the other thing that struck me is, is the idea that, you know, it does require a very high level of transparency throughout the organization to share these stories widely because particularly if there is a gap like you said at, at the end there um to be open and transparent about that and say hey you know this is what happened we really you know at first didn't act in integrity with this particular value but then we changed direction and we changed behavior and and here's the outcome and it becomes an example of integrity becomes mm. an example of honesty um and just going back to the creativity, uh, I was working with um, an organization last week and uh, in the process of identifying the values. And we were talking about the building blocks because they'd had a really amazing year um, and they wanted to work out uh, what they did to get to where they got to and to have a real conversation, what were the building blocks and what we needed to hold on to um, in the next 12 months, and we called those values. And after we'd identified those values, we had um, pre-got some bricks and painted them white. And so we brought them in, and so we had, they came up with five values, and so they had five bricks, and then they could gravitate to anywhere. There was It was a small size. There was only 20 people in the room, so they could gravitate to any one of those bricks. We had those bricks on a... Um, on a piece of paper and then they were, they had to decorate that as an artifact that they would then use and have back in their office and use as the basis of conversations so it was really awesome how they decorated those bricks and and some of the words that had come up in their conversation and around the piece of paper they started to look to describe what is it what will it look like what will it feel like what are some of the other words that are synonymous with this and they were also painted around the outside of the brick and then they were put all over the piece of paper and then we came across and we did what's called a gallery walk where we walked around that and we talked it and the debriefing that came from that process that creative process lasted about 40 minutes as we really dive deep to hold on to what was it that we just created and how we created. So I think creativity is a really important part of the process. Um, and again, you've got to be careful with how much of you use it and, and, and what type of audience. Um, and, and so those things you have to take into consideration. Uh, but it is an important part of the, the whole of turning it into something that's really meaningful to people um, and it gives them the, the, the opportunity to think it through using their hands and it becomes really tactile. So it's an important part of the process of having fun. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the other thing about that that I really love too, I mean, I've, I've done exercises like this where I've got people to draw stuff and then tell a story around that. And usually when they draw something, you know, it might just be a series of stick figures but then they tell a story about you know how these people are interacting and how they met or how you know what what their relationship is to one another and what the challenges are that they're working together on and all this kind of stuff so there's a whole lot of stories it prompts and then 
when you come back a little bit later and see the image or, you know, in this case, the bricks, all of these stories kind of pop up again and all of the everything that's associated with that that was discussed around that will mm. pop up immediately. It's like a little trigger. Yeah. And, and the thing about the conversation that we had after this exercise was that this isn't complete. This is work in progress. Mm. Your understanding of this particular value word will evolve over the next three months, six months, 12 months. Um, but it's how we have conversations on it on a regular basis. Uh, and, uh, and there was a great sense of excitement and it continues to be in the, in the weeks that have followed that session. Um, so yeah, I think that having things that they can look back on now, they've got six bricks that are in their, their, their main staff room where they have their meetings, et cetera, that they can pull a brick aside and, and pop it in the middle and it can be the center of that particular meeting or the focus of that meeting. So it's a solid artifact. Mm. Yeah, very creative. Love it. All right. Well, this is fascinating, Stephen. I could talk um, values um, a lot more. Actually, there, there was one other thing that came up there in what you just described, and that's, um, you know, that things evolve over time, things are changing. So do, do values change over time? And, and how can we how can we reconcile that with you know living our values? It's kind of like it sounds like set in stone, and the metaphor of the mm. bricks is a little bit set in stone. How can we reconcile the fact that you know the external environment is changing, um, technological advancements are happening at a at a breakneck speed, um, so we might need to adapt to those. How can we um, adapt our values, change our values if necessary, and still reconcile that with the whole concept of living values and, and being congruent with them? Well, first of all, there is research to show that those organisations that, uh, that change their values um, perform better financially than those that are static over a long period of time. Hmm. And so that the key there is that things do change. The, the political, economical, social environment is changing. Just look at us two years ago compared to where we are now. There's, there's so much change. So, uh, it's, and things that are important. I mean, the core values of an individual may remain fairly static. There may be some changes in those as you go along. Um, but the same goes for an organization. Um, they have to stay, there'll be things that, are, that may be rock solid and will, will not change, but there may be some that are and they just have to be open to that conversation. Um, and, and that's all it is, is just be open to the conversation. And some organizations just realize and say, look, we've got a list of six values and that value just doesn't seem to fit in with where we're going anymore. Then they have a conversation and they all agree unanimously and they said you know i was thinking the same um but what is do we need the replacement or what's coming up for you and then and then there'll either be something naturally that's emerging or it's we're okay without it and we're, mm. we we go down to four or we whatever but it, the, the thing is is just being ready to have a conversation about it um a, according to your existing environment mm. yeah yeah that's a Great way to go about it. I mean, one one of the things that I 
think you know some of the values that might change over time with an organization is you know the level of risk that they're prepared to take given what their market situation is in the markets that they're operating in that might be one that that doesn't mean they're um, less trustworthy or less in alignment with uh, core values than than another company but it, there's a change in their environment and i think the risk um tolerance is is one that might change from time to time and there's probably other examples like that yeah however it won't stop them from being innovative hmm. and and that they can still be innovative with those risks and 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 managing those risks so for example if if one of your values is innovation then it's how to deal with the risks that that we have in front of us right here and now um and still have growth and still contribute to our community and still service this particular population. Um, so I think that the values that an organisation does choose is really important uh, and are broad uh, to a certain extent. Um, and, 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 and it's having conversations with other leaders and looking at other organisations and seeing what their values are. Uh, and it's just being open. Um, so what's happening out there? Yeah, open communication is um, a big theme, right? Hmm. All right. Well, this has been fabulous, as I said, Stephen. But I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. It's designed to help our audience, who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field, with some tips from your experience. So I've got hmm. five questions, and hopefully you'll give us some really insightful answers that will inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. Hmm. So what do you think the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? It's a, it's a, I've got two in here, but they're both very much connected. Hmm. The number one thing is to create more time for silence hmm. and exercise more. Yeah. And it, I... I swim and uh, I swim three times a week and I walk every morning and I cycle a couple of times a week and I do a bush walk on the weekend. And for example, on my walk this morning, uh, just walking and I was actually doing lots of hills and walking through a cemetery of all places. Uh, I have a workshop on this weekend and I had a new idea about that workshop and it was quite, mm. I felt quite profound. Uh, and often, um, when I'm swimming, I, I call it these aqua profundo moments <laughs> where you, you know, you've got the white line, the black line fever and you, you're just swimming up and down. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're not thinking, you don't have a computer in front of you. You know, you don't have all of these problems and all of a sudden a little bit of clarity comes. Mm. So I think creating time for quiet where you're just doing one thing, read a book. Or you're you're listening to your favourite record with just the headphones on, and you you don't have your phone in front of you, and you're not multitasking. Uh, and yep, just uh, creating time for silence and exercise, and and the silence often comes when you're on your walk, you're on your own. Mm. Um, that don't take your headphones with you for a couple of times, and just listen to your own thoughts, see what's going on for you, um, and and that's where my ideas come. New, new projects, um, how to solve a particular problem of a particular client that I'm working with, but it, it is really my foundation um, is um, 
quiet time. Mm. Yeah, I love it. And um, I, I have the same experience when I'm out solo on, on my bike riding or if I go out for a walk with my camera, I often take photographs. So I am multitasking in some ways, but I mm. like everything else just is is not there really it's just that moment and um if you're on your own nobody else to talk to so you're kind of in that moment and things bubble up from the unconscious um mm. and often i have great ideas there mm. all right now what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas well look it's um it's connected to the first two and it's mm. my it's my daily meditation practice because mm. My meditation practice, and it may seem a little bit left field, but yeah. it, 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 it does create um, that sense of stillness um, and clarity. And, and I've now been meditating or practicing meditation for, I don't know, close to 20, 26, 27 years. Um, so it's, it's very much an important part of my, my day and my professional practice. Um, and I couldn't, I don't, I couldn't see my professional practice without my meditation practice. So that's, that gives me the clarity and the stillness to be able to utilize that, um, as I'm thinking, um, about new ideas. I've found that if I'm, if my mind is full, um, and there might be confusion or there might be stress, um, my potential to create new ideas and new products is less. Hmm. Yes, quietening the mind is a really important thing. And our last guest spoke quite a lot about that, Susan James, about quietening the mind and getting that noise um, away so that we can let those other thoughts bubble up. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um. All right, um, so you've talked about a couple of techniques you use. Do you have a re favourite resource that you use? Um. I think, you know, in terms of technology, one that I've been using probably for eight years now is Evernote. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that really helps me keep my research, um, that I'm doing on a particular project or, um, uh, because I've got it, uh, you know, I pay for a premium service so I can use it on multiple devices so that if I've seen something and I like it and I save it, um, I use a combination of Pocket and Evernote um, for when I'm doing my uh, researching um, and uh, ordering of ideas. Uh, and, and I've used on numerous occasions, because I've done so much in Evernote, I can just do searches within there. Um, mm. And it really helps me capture um, themes or ideas about things that I've been writing on because I can just search on any word. That's the real benefit. Um, of having Evernote, even if I'm writing on something that's under this topic, I'll still be able to find it um, anywhere that it's in within Evernote. So I, it's a it's a real uh, game changer for me. Mm. And it sounds like you've got the discipline, first of all, to do that um, over many years to mm. record the things you find that that might be interesting today, or it might be interesting but not applicable right now but could be applicable in the future. Um, so have you built a structure around that so that it's easy to find things later on? Uh, yeah, within Evernote, I do have um, uh, folders. Uh, and so I may, you know, have a, a track of thoughts around that. But I try and keep those fairly limited. And I can also use tagging 
Um, mm. So it's just like a hashtag. So it makes it easier to find that uh, that thing. But because it's quite comprehensive in terms of the search function, you can almost find anything. Um, so, so for example, uh, with my book reading, um, I'm reading a book. Uh, I'll, I'll create a new folder. Um, I'll take a photo of, of the front of the book and then each chapter I will write notes as I'm going through. Um, and if there's a particular thing in that chapter, um, I'll take a picture of it and then I'll click it into that section. Um, and so that's all under uh, book reviews. Mm. Uh, and then there's another list of my um, wish list of reading list. Uh, and so when I'm thinking, right, I finished that book, where to go to next, I go back to my reading list. Uh, and I, I do it for a whole range of things. Even if I'm writing a blog or researching on a blog, I'll use that um, and then and and even go back and do research in my own Evernote. Mm. Yeah. That's, I think the structure part is really important in all of these kind of tools, but capturing yeah. information and, and being able to access it is a really important um, important tool to have. Yeah, I, I do find um, I have a Pocket, um, uh, which I use uh, on Google Chrome, um, and so I can put straight th things through to Pocket, and then sometimes I put them straight through to Evernote, and then I use that as a bit of a um, filtering, um, and then send them through um, to Evernote at a later stage. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah. All right, now we've talked a lot about... Um keeping values alive and so on what's the best way you think to keep a client on track i think um is really the startup phase uh how you set up the project um and in terms of the the relationship you build with the client in those early stages and being very clear about the motivations and objectives for that particular project and tying everything back to that uh, and, and so, you know, you, you, you're clear, this is why we're doing this. And every time you're meeting, you come back to that and you use that as the center point. How are we going according to our original objective for this project? Are we moving, um, as, 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 as fast as you'd like to or as slow as you'd like to? And I think for me is just really asking questions. That's the key to me is not, trying to do it for them, is I keep asking how things going for you. Uh, uh, what's the speed like in terms of how you wanted it to be? Um, so it's just all about the questions so that they're feeling empowered and motivated. If things aren't going well, is asking why do you think that's not going well for you? Um, so always throwing it back to them and not trying to do anything for them, um, but being there as their, as their partner in the, in the overall project. Mm. Mm. And I imagine that's that's your facilitation at work. Yeah, I mean it's um, the chapter that we've written in the the book on the power of facilitation is living um, a facilitative life, um, and and really the the premise behind that is that we we believe my partner, my business partner, um, Kavya Rasu and I um, really believe that that we have a facilitative bone in each and every one of us. It's within us. Um, and it's like a lot of things, we, we just don't know how to use it and we don't know that we're being facilitative. And, and we, we went around and interviewed a whole heap of people um, and, 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 in, and we didn't ask them about how their facilitation, but in their stories was how they facilitated a particular outcome. Mm 
Um, and so our premise is that it is within us and there's certain things that we can do uh, to bring that out in others. Mm, great. I love it. Okay, and what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Um, right. <laughs> I think. Uh, my experience is right. Mm. It's been really, really helpful for me. And when I say right, it doesn't need to be a blog. Uh, it can be writing Twitter posts, uh, LinkedIn posts, um, uh, contributing to conversations in particular forums. Uh, but for me, um, it creates a, f a feedback loop. And so you, you, it helps you to clarify your ideas. Uh, it helps create mind share um, with others because they're getting to read your writing. Um, and particularly if you're putting it into threads uh, in Twitter or, or LinkedIn where you can get comments and feedback from people. Uh, so uh, I think it's an important part of, of creating your sense of uniqueness um, is writing. Um, but I, I'm not a person who's really big on uh, blowing the trumpet and saying this is what I've done and these are examples of my work um, because my clients will do that for me. Um, so I think it's, it's just about being of service to others uh, and continually being of service uh, to them and that helps create mind sharing um, for people. Mm. Yeah, there's an important point there about the service. So I think uh, I agree with you about the, you know, articulating your ideas helps sort of clarify them and writing them. And, and then it's that conversation that you talked about earlier, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, I think it's it's a form of uh, storytelling. So when, when you're in a facilitated mm. conversation, you're telling your stories, but with writing, you're you're you know you're writing it in your own little space but then it's that working out aloud concept you're getting it out there and you're really asking for how does this resonate with you how does this sit with you um that's why i like to come on podcasts be on summits be on panels um where i can have or run workshops online workshops where you can get real-time feedback of how things have gone um, and how that resonates with people. And that's been a really, going back to how do you develop your products, I think that those being on as many forums as I can where I'm expressing my ideas and I'm getting feedback on how that sits with people has really helped me refine. Um, you know, if I look at where I was 12 months ago and some of my ideas, they've definitely been developed by um, online presence, uh, virtual conversations. Um, appearances etc mm, great wonderful all right well thanks Stephen. this has been fabulous now where can people reach out to you and find out more about you about flintrock consulting about your book the power of facilitation and also maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared yeah thank you uh the first place i'd love uh, for people to connect with me um on uh, linkedin um uh, Stephen uh, barkley and um, I'm sure they'll see the spelling of the name. Uh, mm. I also have uh, uh, I'm on Linktree, uh, so a summary of all of my um, recordings, um, my appearances, uh, YouTube um, podcasts that I've been on um, is on my Linktree link. Um, I'm also on Twitter um, at S-J-F-B-E-R-K-E-L-E-Y, 
and um, I love uh, I love Twitter and the conversations that it creates. Uh, so they're the best places, and our website uh, for Flint Rock is simple: uh, www.fl. FL, gosh, I'm having a dyslexia. Um, Flint Rock, so it's a F L Y N T R O K dot com. Uh, so there's no C. Yeah. Okay, and and we'll post all those links in the show notes so people can click straight through. Yeah. So do you have some parting advice today for our listener, Stephen? Ah, uh, yeah. I think if it comes to uh, values and you're really wanting to make your values work for you in your organization just start having conversations with people um, and ask for stories where they saw the values being lived uh, and if you don't have a value statement and you're wanting to work on a value statement just start to um, listen to the stories the emerging stories in your organization and you'll you'll see um, what are the strong uh, values that uh, that have a common red thread across your organization and happy to help you uh, have those conversations in any way, shape or form. Yeah, that's wonderful. And uh, I love the idea of the conversations and around, you know, stories, exploring how that uh, story and how the behaviours actually reflect the values. Hmm. All right. Well, finally, Stephen, who else should I get on this show and why? Um, there's one person and her name is Catherine Lloyd. Uh, Catherine Lloyd is also from Brisbane, Australia, and she's the managing director of Maverick Minds. Uh, she has a PhD in creativity, um, and her speciality um, is working with organizations, um, particularly around innovation, particularly around creativity. Uh, she's an awesome human being, um, and her, she's got a, a, an amazing book, out around um, creativity and uh, I think she'd be an awesome uh, addition to your program and I'm sure that your listeners would really enjoy hearing what she has to say. Yeah, well I know Catherine, we have, uh, we've had Catherine on the podcast a little while ago but I know oh, okay. she, recently, she recently launched her book so we did um, talk a little bit um, a few, probably a few months ago now we talked about having her on the show to talk about her book. So I'll um, take your suggestion and as a prompt to reach out to Catherine again. And, yeah, great. And yeah. Organize that. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for sharing your insights and your wisdom with us so generously today and all those stories and talking about values-based leadership and having those important conversations and creating the space to allow those stories to be shared. Um, I think that's uh, lots of really golden nuggets in in this episode and i'm looking forward to sharing it so thanks for all of that Stephen. i've really enjoyed it and um let's stay in touch thanks for your insightful questions really appreciated being with you this morning again I hope you enjoyed that insightful and really informative conversation with Stephen and took something away from his episode. There was so much value in what Stephen shared, from creating a safe space to share stories and articulate values, to developing language around values, to creative ways to facilitate value-based conversations. I'd love to know what you took away from Stephen's episode. 
leave a comment below the blog post which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Stephen Barclay. That is S-T-E-P-H-E-N-B-E-R-K-E-L-E-Y all lowercase, all one word, slightly unusual spelling, innovabiz.co forward slash Stephen Barclay. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Stephen, as well as links to the Flint Rock website, the book The Power of Facilitation, the Waves of Change podcast, Stephen's social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. If you like this episode, do share it with at least two other people that it might help. You'll be doing them such a magical service. And tag me in on that share so that I can reach out to you with a special thank you. Stephen suggested that we have a conversation with Dr. Catherine Lloyd of Maverick Minds, who was our guest on episode 259 and has recently launched a new book, Seriously Playful Creativity, which sounds fascinating as well as with Change Management Explorer, Leadership Coach and Trainer Faith Timms on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Catherine and Faith, keep an eye on your inboxes for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast courtesy of Stephen Barclay. It'll be a pleasure to have Catherine back on and I'm sure Faith in her first appearance will be an equally wonderful guest. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including Stefan Smulders of Expandy and Arjun Sen of Zen Mango. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.